0: Hey everybody, it's Hit Rewind the Mixtape, where uh, me and John take uh, basically our top 10 favorite albums of the year and discuss them back and forth. One rule is we cannot repeat an album which sometimes can be torturous because (laughs) 87 was rough for me because, (laughs) oh, uh, let's just say this era of music until like 92, 93 is going to be really hard for me and I thought of a couple albums and are like, oh damn it, he got them too so I had to come up with something else <laughs> but this is, I'm, I'm going to apologize this is the year where I literally was like, just grasping for anything I can't remember a lot of songs you know, uh, it just, it, it's rough so I apologize if this episode isn't as good as the previous ones, maybe John can carry us over
1: the breach we'll, we'll see what happens All right. definitely some interesting stuff there that came out
0: all right, so we want to start. You want to go with number one, or no, no, we never do that. We do. Uh, um, how do we do this usually? I, I haven't done this in a while. <laughs> I forgot our pattern.
1: It, it bounces. It bounces back and forth from I do one, you do one. Okay. But uh, I don't remember if we had a. If we kind of randomly set up a pattern. I think, yeah, with,
0: I think we just randomly. Really so what are we you about? did
1: one show, and then. Yeah, I don't remember if we actually ever consciously thought about that. So if you want, I'll go first. Go ahead. All right, because my first one is Ice T's Pays
0: This one was a surprise to me. <laughs> when I saw this, I was like, "Is this an accident?"
1: No, it, that's the thing. Is I this is about the point in time where rap becomes something that I enjoy. Like, I I enjoy the uh, like some of the gangster rap stuff. Basically, it's like late eighties and then up to about mid-90s, mid to late 90s. And then uh, from there, I kind of fall off with the exception of maybe like one or two particular artists here or there. But it's like, I mean, yeah, people who I like, I will follow. But, uh, you know, it's it's harder for me to enjoy a wider range or just it's never been something that's hooked me as well. Right. But like Ice is this – Is his first album, and it's so interesting because it balances this gangster rap stuff with tracks like, you know, it's like, like, he's got basically kind of like the, not necessarily the first gangster rap song, although technically he uh, does have the, uh, like, I think it's literally the second record uh, ever released that was a uh, gangster rap song, because that was six in the morning. You yeah know, for me like, i know. had
0: next year is my rap year and you're gonna have all the cool stuff i'm gonna have all the family friendly pg stuff that was on mtv um <laughs> now now retroactively i would go like i think this is the year the first fresh prince and dj jesse jeff album comes out rock the house but um it just isn't good enough and i had cruising i believe crushing crushing from fat boys um but I would buy them later, but neither one of them held up. I listened to them. They're fine, but they're just not, they will not make my top 10.
1: Yeah. And well, that's the thing is like, this is a really well balanced album where it's like, yeah, you said you've got all this, you got a couple of gangster rap songs, you know, six in the morning, uh, squeeze the trigger. Somebody's got to do it. Pimping Ain't Easy. Uh, but it's also got, you know, a little more of what would be like the more commercial rap sound as well. Cause you have like make it funky and four nine you know like 409 it's like one of those like childhood rhyming songs where it's like the end of the line is going to be a swear but it's not really because it's the start of a new sentence yeah. so it's not actually <laughs> dirty right
0: yeah this so, is the sound that i don't really care for for me it's gonna i don't like gangster rap um i'm more of a hip-hop guy and <laughs> once you get to around 90 91 you're gonna be right in that sweet spot for me
1: well, and that's the thing. It's like, especially with Ice T, he's the person I know best in the like of the Ices, especially. But in kind of a, I kind of fell into his stuff in like the first three or four albums. I think are absolutely tops. You know, totally killer stuff. Yeah. But it's like I kind of fell into his way, kind of a kind of backwards because. Uh, a friend of mine that I, that I worked with uh, a long time ago had uh, the Body Count album and, like, the actual original release of it with Cop Killer on it. And so it's like I listen to that album, and it's very hardcore and, like, very intense in many ways, but it also, you can hear this sense of humor that he has. About some of these topics,
0: yeah, he's. I think he's, he's really funny. Uh, uh and like his tweets are always like really on on just on the nose when it comes to like commenting on terrible behavior.
1: Yeah, well, it's like even on this album, you have uh, "Squeeze the Trigger" is a great track that satirizes how quickly people are to blame things like music for violence without actually looking for the you know, actual causes or social causes behind it. Right, and. Yeah. And it's including, like, all these statements about, like, how cops are killing kids with warning shots and stuff. And it's just kind of it—it – it is so horribly still true. And it's, you know, still such a relevant song today. And it's just one of those things where it's, you know, heck, you, know, you have uh, all this – these messages and stuff like that that – can be conveyed even if it's uh, somewhat harsh. Sometimes I think people really should hear it.
0: I, you know what's funny is the very first rap track I ever heard was from Ice T from the "Breakin' Two Electric Boogaloo" track. Uh, <laughs> the cassette I had.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing. It's like he definitely kind of started a little more commercial, right. and then kind of found found his way in you know into this emerging genre well remember he was dressed he
0: like uh, well in the early 80s rap there was a lot of that mad max vibe you know the wild and, and crazy look and then it kind of toned down in the late half of the 80s well yeah
1: well you know, he had very much like if you look on the cover of the album it's very much the kind of south central uh, pippin 80s sort of uh, look to him and but it's like it's the sort of thing where it's like, yeah, he is of a lot of these, this genre. I think he's one of the people who definitely had a clear concept of what he wanted to do and ran with it for a good amount of time. So definitely I, I hold, I hold my uh, thumbs up. I, I enjoy this album quite a bit. All
0: right. So my next choice, uh, well, first choice, not next, uh, is going to be, B-O-I-N-G-O the 1987 album by Oingo Boingo the last album I think that is really pretty damn good but they changed their sound on this one a lot and it's missing what was so magical about everything before it's like he wanted to go mainstream and he ditched a lot of the ska wild and crazy like aggressive sound this one's a lot more pleasant and I I don't think it works as well but it's, it's still listenable
1: well, the thing is, fun is, you know, I really, I'm pretty sure Oingo Bungo has to be your favorite band because we've literally done all of their albums except one.
0: Yeah. Uh, which one was it? I don't think we skipped any. I think we skipped the Danny Elfman album so, solo.
1: No, we, we did skip the Danny Elfman album, and there was one other one. I want to say it's like the fourth album or something like that. We. There is one one that we did not do Uh, after this.
0: After this, there's a couple good tracks, but their albums just don't have that sound that I'm looking for. But yes, I would just I would say they're in my top five easily.
1: Yeah, and just the album didn't really hit me that well. Like I've been loving all the other albums that we listened to, and then this one just kind of eh. Yeah. Although, do, you know, I, do you know what's where different? Where do all my friends go?
0: It's funny... Oh, what is that? Well, I just think about the tracks from the previous album. So many of them ended up in movies. These tracks sound like they were made for movies. You know what I mean? Like, they, they were... Uh, this sell this out on a soundtrack. Unlike the other stuff, which was cool, and someone just said, hey, let's add this to our movie. All of these seem like they would be themes in, in some movie. Some team movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like... One of the songs that I think really hit me the most was Where Do All My Friends Go? Because it's like this upbeat, yet kind of chill song compared to a lot of the others, compared to almost anything Boingo did. But it's like, yeah, We Close Our Eyes is alright. Not My Slave is okay, but... I like that. That one's I've
0: heard so many times. We Close Our Eyes, oddly enough, I knew that song by Susanna Hoffs from the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. She had uh, remade it. (laughs)
1: I'd have to see the film again or at least hear her take. It's been a while, but I'm sure I would have I would recognize it.
0: Yeah, there's not a whole lot like Pain was a good one. Um that one's more like their old stuff. Um but yeah, most of it I don't know what to say. There's it's just it's a fine listen, but you can tell the cracks in what made them such a great band were starting to show up.
1: Yeah, it this is definitely feeling like Because at this point, Danny Eflin has started doing film soundtracks, so he's kind of finding success in another career, so having a band kind of might... maybe isn't his focus anymore. Right. All right, your turn. All righty. Let's go ahead and take a look at... Mojo Nixon and Skip Roper's Bodacious. Shocked
0: to see this one on the list. (laughs) And
1: it's a lot of fun. fun. I'll, I'll be honest. Part of me really thinks I should have done the previous one because it has Debbie Gibson, uh, gave birth by Two-Headed Love Child, and <laughs> his amazing cover of, uh, of This Land is Your Land. But, I mean, I, I had to put it. It's Elvis is everywhere. is one of the best things ever. You know, I, I just... I, even if the rest of this album was garbage... I would have had I would have picked this album anyway because of just the strength of Elvis is everywhere. Right.
0: Yeah. It's it's a rockabilly weirdo. It's a kitsch kind of the whole album is it's a lot of fun. Mojo Nixon has always had kind of a fan following, but he's never really broken through besides that song.
1: Yeah. Well, he did show up. If if you're a '90s kid, you know Mojo Nixon as Toad in the Super Mario Brothers. All right. Yeah, he shows up briefly and sings a little bit of a song. Doesn't act very well, and then gets turned into a goomba. <laughs> it's but yeah, this is such a just a fun album, and that's that's the thing. Like, it's it's hard to say if it's quote unquote good because it's uh, depending on how you are. Because there's some stuff that kind of. Feels a little dated and stuff, and I it's like I love the song. Don't want no fufu haircut on my head. <laughs> Such a goofy rant. It definitely we know what he's talking about with uh, you know like the flock of seagulls type haircuts and basically uh, the condemnation of uh, new romantic uh, style, but it also kind of feels like he's being very kind to say. To avoid saying words that could get him in trouble, at times yep. it feels like, you know, you got like, uh, uh, wash dishes no more is shows us the future, uh, you know, basically uh, what the modern libertarian future would be like. <laughs> With this, uh, oh god, I, I didn't go into my into the notes in general, but I thought it was I would doing this a little bit sooner than when I wrote it. I should listen to the song again. <laughs> Uh but yeah, it's I, I this it album's so much fun. It's a goofy ass
0: it album. Is,
1: yeah. Love it. So what you got?
0: Alright, next is uh Faith No More with Introduce Yourself. It's not their debut album, but because the first album was so barely released <laughs> that they combined the best tracks from that with this album, and it's not the sound that you really know when you think of Faith No More because Mike Patton doesn't join until the next album, but I think there's a lot of fun with, uh, the uh I don't know the original singer's name, but there's kind of a goofy, off-the-wall kind of charm, the way that, you know how there was the whole, uh there's Red Hot Chili Peppers and Fishbone, like that kind of bouncy punk sound with funk and weirdness, it had that.
1: Yeah, and that's a, and that's the thing. Like, I, I do I kind of strain my brain to think if I know any Faith No More song uh, beyond Epic, Midlife Crisis, and We Care a Lot. And honestly, I don't think I've actually ever heard a Faith No a whole Faith No More album, <sighs> which is weird because which is weird because I it's like I I could have sworn I've heard Angel Dust. I could have sworn I've heard uh, the real thing, but I. I racked my brain and going, I can't think of a single any other songs but those three. Granted, I also I'm pretty sure I did hear Soul Invictus, their like the last album they did, and yeah. I didn't like it.
0: Oh, I liked it. So, uh, have you heard uh, King for a Day full? F- no, 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 no. Uh, no,
1: you, no your last, it, last yeah, cup I'm of like,
0: sorrow, last cup yeah. of sorrow.
1: I guarantee, I've definitely not heard. Okay.
0: that was that I, was a really like they're big epic well they always kind of go for a big epic sound but that's they spent so much money on that video and it w- it's a pretty good song but it didn't do anything for the album but this one is uh, a totally different feel so how did you what did you think of this kind of bouncy weirdness oh, I, was,
1: I was digging it I was really digging it uh, now We Care A Lot is definitely the best song off the album and it kind of fits along with the uh Chubba Wumba album that I did yeah well, there's it also, I want indigible. to say,
0: there's not, it's not as layered as it would get with the next, uh, with Mike Patton joining, because Anne's song and Introduce Yourself are the other two singles that I know from this really well, but there is a lot of repetition, a lot of just, like, wandering. It's not really a pop song.
1: Well, it's like, when the song that really, I have, like, the most notes on is Crab Song, which I really, I felt, started shitty, and it started going, and it basically just kind of went nowhere. And then all of a sudden, it picks up and becomes pretty fucking cool. Like, I was, I felt like it it has way too long of a buildup to where it goes, but damn, does it go somewhere. I like it. Good. In that regard.
0: All right, your turn.
1: All right, we are going to do Pink Floyd's A Momentary Lapse of Reason.
0: I forgot about this album. I know the songs, but for some reason, I completely forgot that this, that they even. Ha- I thought there was a big, big gap between whatever the '82 album was and Pulse. I didn't remember this album.
1: Well, that yeah, well, that's the thing. Actually, this is the first album released after uh, the founding member and bassist, lyricist, co lead singer Roger Waters left. Because like, there's a whole thing between uh, the band. Uh, Mostly between Gil- David Gilmore and Roger Waters. And basically, during the 83 album The Final Cut, all this just kind of came to a head. Because effectively, The Final Cut basically just was a Roger Waters uh, solo record. Because he took complete control of the writing. He uh, didn't allow David Gilmore to finish any of the songs he was working on. So, you know, yeah, they kind of drifted a little bit. And then. Uh, Waters uh, left Floyd and just you know basically tried to screw him out of royalties and the uh, name. Wow, that tried sucks. to destroy him. <laughs> He tried to destroy Pink Floyd, but it all got settled out of court. But you know, one the irony of that, this record is what? Basically, it's a David Gilmore solo album because <laughs> it basically <clears throat> it was just him and uh, the, the drummer uh, Nick Mason and then just a bunch of studio musicians.
0: Yeah, it's very so, relaxing, very... Uh, it's just, it's so different than a lot of the stuff that was on your list that it threw me for a loop.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, this I, this year is definitely... It, it, I kind of felt like I have a build-up to something, but this is definitely a lot more laid-back year than anything else, huh? Yeah.
0: Seriously, but I'm yeah, looking at like, my list God, right now. I'm looking at my list, and I'm like, I don't remember even listening to a couple of these albums.
1: Fuck. <laughs> But that's the thing it's like this album, it's a lot more conventional, a lot less pretentious. Because let's be honest, Roger Waters really started jerking himself off near the end of near the end of it. Uh-huh. Like I love uh-huh. The Wall, but Jesus Christ, is there a lot of uh, a lot of issues in The Wall and Final Cut? It, I don't think Final Cut's even that listenable, really. Like, it's it just, it's so much just a guy's head stuck up his ass, more so than anything else. Yeah. <sighs> and so, yeah, Pink Floyd a little more, uh, I mean, there's some 70s Floyd feel, but mostly it's, you know, yeah, it's fairly conventional songs. Learning to Fly is fantastic. You know, On Turning Away actually felt like it could have been On the Wall. Uh, One Slip is great, but Sorrow. Sorrow is truly the best is like my favorite track off that thing such a good such a good album such and kind of a shame that it's effectively not their last album but like i think there's two more albums left that they do Mm -hmm. and that's it you know then they're and then they're effectively done yeah
0: you ever wonder if any of those albums from paul still the little red light still going (laughs) I was <laughs> just thinking about that. <laughs> oh my god, it's in twenty five years, this thing's still going. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> oh no, that No, that that's that's as long as they, they record some of those lengthy songs, it would actually be like a fish like a fish album or something like that. <laughs> Probably still still <laughs> under
0: production. Um, my next album is Electric by the Cult. I literally have nothing to say except I like the band. I don't remember a single. Fucking song, except for the terrible cover of Born to Be Wild. But everything else was fine. I told you I'm struggling. That's it. I, that's all I got.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, that's just it. It's like I don't have a lot of notes on this one either. It's it's a much more hard rock oriented album, and it's by design because they were working with Rick Rubin. You know, Love Removal Machine, Aphrodisiac Jackets, Little Devil, Outlaw. It's all good. You know, it, it's a solid album. You're right. The uh, cover isn't isn't the best not nothing worst mistake any band has ever made doing a cover but just kind of yeah, 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 yeah good good for you guys but this is ironically the only record i own like a physical vinyl record oh wow this is the only oh, one I, I have i didn't know that so as you can kind of tell i like the album yes <laughs> yeah. I, w- I was willing to pay money to uh to cart it around from uh for California for a good 10 years now. Your turn. All right. My next album is going to be, notes loading, (laughs) Depeche Modes, Music for the Masses.
0: Yeah, I thought about adding this one to my list too. It was really good.
1: Now, we are inching ever closer to the Depeche Mode that everyone actually knows. And, you know, this album still does have that industrial edge that some of those previous albums have. They're they're starting to get sounded off a little bit. I mean, you got uh, uh, Pimp is a really hard and dark song, you know, but, uh, you know, like Little 15 is a wonderfully haunting track. But, yeah, it's starting to get a a little more lighter. But that's funny is it didn't actually do well in the U.K., but it did very well internationally, which uh, actually allowed them to be one of the few bands to play in communist East Germany. <laughs> okay. They, yeah, they also uh, had a extremely successful tour in the U.S., which let them play "Strange Love" at the '88 MTV Music Awards, which really got them a foothold into the states. Like even even more so than before. All of a sudden, now they're you know they're on MTV. They're on MTV on the big stage. And next album is the one that then, of course, broke them big. <clears throat> so, your thoughts on the album if you were a None.
0: I got none. It was just a really good album. I, I enjoyed uh, it. There's nothing... I need... Here's the thing that needs to change about the show. He's prepared. I'm not. I usually listen to these while I'm working out and I don't make notes. And I just try to remember. We were supposed to do this a week ago, but I got sick. And in that time, I went on vacation and thought of other things, and I forgot a lot. All I have is the list of albums that I chose, and that's
1: it. Oh, you.
0: I know. Just, just, I swear. Just, okay. 1988. we got to change it up. i got to be more professional.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I bring notes, and I, I do research. I,
0: <sighs> I'm literally I'm looking, prepared, look at, I'm looking at Wikipedia just to remind me. <laughs> that's it, though. I've got nothing to say.
1: But Okay, well... You have next
0: album, then. Pleased to meet me by The Replacements, their breakthrough, which a lot of the hardcore fans hate because they had a more mainstream sound.
1: Whatever. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wasn't predicting... I didn't take the album all that
0: much. Oh, here's uh, the thing. It's yeah, a like... fine album, but it has my single favorite song ever, ever, ever. And that's Can't Hardly Wait. That is my absolute 100% top song ever. I love Alex Chilton No, that in both of them, so that's that's really it. just those two songs and uh, we can move on if you want
1: <laughs> well no no that's it's like I knew the song Alex Chilton going into the album and I dig that song i o u is a good toe tapper, but goes a little bit too long uh same thing with I don't know it's like it kind of feels like some of these songs really only had like a minute or two of actual content that that they got extended mm-hmm. But yeah, had, like, uh, Nightclub Juniors is good, but it's, like, such a different type of song. But it's, like, it's one of those things where, you know, it's one of these things where there's stuff I like off the album, but they aren't songs, I think, transcend and improve the rest of it. So it's, like, the, the really good stuff doesn't really make the okay stuff better. Which, you know, I didn't feel there anything overly bad about it. It's just one of those things where, although I guess I should amend the statement I wrote, but if you're a fan of the band, you should like this album. <laughs> or at least more, you have more of a connection to it.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Just, but, but, it's just that one song that fucking I, blows me yeah. away every time, and it just gets so revved up and hopeful, and then you know the, the world reminds me it's not that great. But for that four minutes of that song, I'm, I'm
1: in. Well, it kind of felt like this album was like a commentary on pop rock of the era instead of being a pop rock album of the era. Right. Like, it's watered down, it's harmless instead of something that, like, it felt like they put their heart and soul into completely. You know? And that's... It feels like... Well, it's
0: almost as if it's so cheeky and winking that it does... Well, that's a weird thing to say. That they uh, forgot to actually put... You know how I'm trying to say this? You know when something's trying to be satirical, but sometimes it's only about the satire and it forgets what it's really trying to say?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Maybe that's what it, what it felt like to me.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. Is it's, it, I, part of me thinks that it just, it felt like it should have been more. But then again, why I what, I think we did one album of theirs previous right. to The well. replacements really are like, a
0: greatest hits band. Like it's legitimate You don't I hate when people are like You're not a fan If you only have Their greatest hits Fuck you I just don't want to Waste my time With the other stuff I can still be a fan <laughs>
1: Kiss, Kiss literally is Only only the greatest right? hits Right
0: Right And they have a Massive fan base And I'm guaranteeing You half their album sales Are just greatest hits Collections
1: Yeah But yeah It's like I, I don't know why I You know is A want more Out of the album I mean it's like Going into things where I'm effectively going in blind, in some cases, I shouldn't, you know, be like, you know, I, I swear I'm not going into these albums with my arms crossed, going prove to me. But here's the thing: we
0: we do we do that with movies, and no one ever says anything. We go in blind to all of these movies unless it's part of a franchise, and we don't know what our expectations are beyond a trailer. That's the same thing with an album and one song. That song is the trailer to get you to listen to the whole album.
1: Exactly. Yeah, the singles. Singles off the radio are your are your trailers or things that's trying to sell you on this. And yeah, it's like I listen, like I, I don't know why I feel like I have higher expectations for this album that I but I seem you know, for whatever reason I kind of feel like I did. I, I think it's why.
0: because of all the acclaim, the hardcore fans that have been going for decades, and that puts something in the back of your mind, if you know anything about the Replacements. Yeah, and, was,
1: and, and again, probably also because I like Alex Chilton, so it's like Okay, it's from the the song is from this album. I should probably I might like this album. Yeah. But then again we did Crowded House and I totally was blown away because it wasn't what I thought it was.
0: Yeah, so it's it's that's the weird it's a discovery show, basically. A lot of these albums I've never actually listened to. I've only known some of the songs and I kinda like the band's vibe, so I'll go and check out the album. Sometimes it fails horribly, sometimes it doesn't.
1: Yeah, like I've been listening I have actually started listening to a lot more of Utopia. Since we started this thing, I don't have any favorite songs, so don't ask me which one's my favorite yet, but it's been something that while I'm gaming, I'll pop in and just let Spotify run random Yeah, songs. A
0: Princess of the Universe is the one that just fucking the hard a uh, chord pounder, you know, just the, the drums. Um, where are we at? Your turn.
1: My turn. It is now The Cure. Kiss me, kiss me, kiss me.
0: Also was one of my choices, damn you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so despite Robert Smith leaving The Cure to be part of Susie and the Banties for a year or so, The Cure didn't break up. You know, he did come back, and they put out The Top, which is all psychedelic and shit, and you have the kind of transitional head on the door, which I honestly don't like. Uh, But Kiss Me Cubed... Has them really going into this like pop sound?
0: Yeah, it's 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 a and... new direction for them. It does seem like this is. I think this is why this, the music's so hard for me in this era. Is because what I loved about the early '80s is gone now. You know, the the new wave sound. This is more mod rock, and there's so little of it that I have trouble because we're getting a lot of the aggressive metal, the hair metal. You know, the 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 um, Generic synth pop. I just fucking can't. It's gonna be really hard for the next few years.
1: Well, I say it's like? This is such a this is like a fun album because like yes. well, this one, and then the next two albums, this integration wish, are this are really like the three album like this era is really my favorite era of the Cure. Even though I, you know, again my heart is my my dark gothy heart loves pornography.
0: Oh, who doesn't love pornography? Phrase. Wait, is that, is that an album? Did yeah. I just confess to something?
1: <laughs> Shit. But yeah, yeah like, tortures is this great track. Uh, you know, it's like, seriously, or even that like, play Why Can't I Be You or Just Like Heaven and Back to Back with, like, 100 years. Yes. And how is this the same band?
0: I know, I know. It's so interesting.
1: You know, Hot 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 has, I love the guitar on that, and there's this little, uh, kind of like there's a Devo Oingo Boingo influence on that song. Uh-huh. Like, there's, like, this is such a fun, wonderful album.
0: I can't and... believe I used to mock them, and I wanted nothing to do with them. I had friends who listened to them, and I was like, nah, man, that didn't sound like my kind of thing. And then one day, about five years ago, I'm sitting there listening to a new wave channel, and they started playing some of this. I was like, huh, that's like a third care song I've heard that I've liked. I'm gonna go discover what they're all about, and uh, I was pleased.
1: Yeah, is it? It's it's this. The late '80s, early '90s is peak Cure. Is everything is working? Everything sounds great. Even even the stuff that I hate, because I hate uh, love song. I really do.
0: Oh, is it because Three Eleven ruined
1: it for you? no, no, their cover is a cover <laughs> I, don't guess, well, I don't hate the cover it's just it's it's as generic as the original song is so yep. you would literally have to like fart during the entire song <laughs> to make the song worse than it is, <laughs> I guess oh my it's, god but yeah it. I, I, I I understand why people love that song and why it's all catchy and shit, but I, it's not my favorite song off that album, but that album is fucking amazing. Anyway, that's, that's a completely different album than what we're talking about, and this one has Just Like Heaven and uh, Why Can't I Be You, which are tops.
0: I feel like I need to make a bonus at the end of this episode where I do hand farts and <laughs> just... <laughs>
1: the beat of Love Song? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was my turn. Uh, Alright, now let, let, let's go to the next one. Alright, how part? come
0: <laughs> nobody fucking told me how great Jesus and Mary Chain was? How, I, I always thought that there was some sappy, like, oh, you know, my god, what was the thing like touchy-feely, uh, emo, but they're fucking awesome. And, uh, I, I just, now, now, they're probably going to make a, the list for a while. A few years they're going to make it.
1: Well, I, I was I was going to do them before. Yeah, uh, I think Psycho Candy amount. was on your list, right? Yeah, I was... It, that almost made it. That almost made it, but I held off and I forget what I chose instead, but, yeah. I, I'm not a huge shoegaze person, but, you know, like, here's here's my first line of notes. Ah, uh, here we go. There's some of that melancholy shoegaze shit that gives me the best sagasms. <laughs> <laughs> like this is one of the few this is one of the few shoegaze bands that I that I like and it's I love Jesus and Mary chain. You know, it like not, it's like, it's not goth necessarily. It lacks kind of a brooding on existential dread in our inevitable death and decay. but it is a you know it's a far more upbeat look at our shared melancholy and I for one am here for it.
0: Oh my God. You know what's funny is every time, every time I laugh dude, while you're talking it comes up in like a little audio burst so it sounds like you're laughing and I'm laughing at the same time. I'm sorry.
1: But I'll I actually go one step further and go, I kind of see Jesus from the Mary Chain as a precursor to grunge.
0: Yes, definitely. I see that completely. Like,
1: I can, I can hear Smashing Pumpkins and Bush in so many of these songs. <sighs> like Speed... Uh, Let's see. Was it uh you know, like was it uh, rainy days? Like, you speak, yeah. Speed nine million uh rainy days up a little bit, and he got one hundred percent. Sorry, one hundred percent have a track off of Siamese Street. April skies is one hundred percent a Foo Fighter song.
0: Yeah, I can even feel a little bit of Weezer with like Pinkerton in this album.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. All right, is whose turn is it? Yours. That would be my turn next.
0: I can't remember anything. I I drink too much. I'm sorry, everybody.
1: Oh, I am so disappointed in you. Drinking? Are you drinking while we're doing the show?
0: Oh, yes, but uh, it's er yerba mate, coconut water. It's very delicious and foo-foo. I'm so fancy. Yes.
1: Oh. Because I'm disappointed in you because I'm drinking some Blue Moon Honey Days.
0: Mmm. You don't know how easily I get drunk, and I get fucking weird when I'm either high or drunk and you do not want me recording well you know what (laughs) screw it sometime sometime we should we should just record while I'm taking some my little gummies and see how it says it's supposed to be really chatty but it also makes me kind of like lightheaded and dizzy so Uh, okay well
1: how about this uh David Bowie's never let me down
0: (sighs) this one let me down sorry I wasn't into this one at all. I was so bored. This is—I feel like this is Bowie at his big. Like I don't know what I'm doing anymore. This is like right when we started doing Tin Machine too, and I just—I don't get these years of Bowie.
1: Yeah, it's—it's his last album because he quit being a solo artist. He wanted to start a band. He started Tin Machine, which I think I finally have actually listened to Tin Machine, which is okay. Yeah, He's I don't kind of know Rocky, machine because he seems so. to constantly
0: be on SNL during this time period.
1: But, but what's funny is, this, him, him quitting as a solo artist only lasted till like, uh, 93. Yeah. Well, I guess technically 92 because he released Real Cool World on the Cool World soundtrack. And if you want to hear, me talking all about that stuff, listen to, uh, <laughs> Or <laughs> Ice show, Pirates. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, he, this was his attempt to kind of get back into a rock and roll sound, because, you know, pri- previous to this, he was doing, like, you know, 80s dance music. Yeah, yeah. You know, he did Let's Dance and Tonight, and Let's Dance is good. I'm not a fan of Tonight, really, but uh, it's like, this is, you know, day in, day out. It's a great opener. It's about homelessness in, in the U.S. You know, you got uh, New York's in love about the self-centeredness of people living in the cities. You got "87 and Cry," which is Margaret Thatcher, or like, there's all these songs about stuff.
0: Yeah, that's you great.
1: Know,
0: you good, have, give them a you have an cookie.
1: Cover, I just, which...
0: don't, I just don't. I'm so bored. I'm sorry. It's not a bad album. Oh. It's just when your expectations are raised so much, and for me, I was expecting something really major with this, and I don't know.
1: I guess. I guess my my th- <laughs> how are you about Bowie's glam period?
0: I'm fine with it. I prefer his new wave era.
1: Yeah, because yeah, I'm not a fan of the glam stuff. I mean, okay, uh, Ziggy Stardust is fine, but you know, Aladdin Sane and uh, Diamond Dogs, some of that stuff, eh, not really for me. Yeah, but it's like, I,
0: I should have like expected this, though. I used to have a two-CD greatest hits collection of his, and once he gets to this era, I, I couldn't remember any of the songs, so I should have expected it.
1: Well, it's like I'm a huge, really, I'm a huge fan of his uh, his industrial era when he got like Earthling and stuff like that.
0: I'm afraid of Americans. I'm afraid of the yeah, world.
1: Battle. So, you know, you know. Oh God, what of my what is it? Uh, New Angels of Promise is such an amazing song, but that's that's in the future. Yes, the
0: future. All right, my turn. Your turn. Diesel and Dust by Midnight Oil. Um this is a band I just never really broke through except for Beds of Burning but I think they had a lot of good singles but what was most important is that they were able to do the social commentary and just it. you know a lot of people do it and it's really clumsy or it's so full of itself that you just don't care they found a way to make a lot of it very palatable uh, this isn't their best album I think the previous one uh, that we discussed what was that one no it wasn't Species well, we haven't talked doc-
1: this we haven't talked about them yet. This no, is the first time. I am sure we did. No, we, we did not do a Midnight Oil album. You're fucking kidding but, me. Well, here's the thing. Because that's the thing. Like, I have no connection to Midnight Oil. I'm sure I've heard songs in the past.
0: Seriously? Fact, I thought we did I, Red Sails and Sunset. Red Sales and Sunset is their best album. Not at um, all. Okay. No. So I'm wrong. Um, but this is our second best album And of course this is the one that broke through in America Beds are Burning is such an unbelievably powerful song If we're talking songs of 87 uh, Can't Hardly Wait is my favorite This is my second favorite song It just knocks the doors down And makes you fucking pay attention
1: I definitely, yeah it definitely. It's a really good album And especially as a bit of social conscience music I think it's really interesting by the well, way, did like, you know
0: I, that I thought the lead singer of Midnight Oil was that guy from all the horror movies, like The Hills Have Eyes? I honestly, as a child, thought it was the same person. I can't remember his name. Uh, Michael Berryman. No, I did not know that.
1: And I've never seen the guy, so I wouldn't. I would not have later would not just be able to look at two up. They're clearly that.
0: different, but when you're a child, you can't tell. Well,
1: it's it's like. I really don't know anything about the hardships of the indigenous people of Australia, but you know, these, this album really does paint a dark and vivid picture that, you know, it's like, I'm pretty sure it's probably still there considering uh, how, you know, how we treat our indigenous peoples of the U S Yeah, you know? And so I'm just kind of going, it, it's definitely, I'm glad it's one of the things I'm, Kind of glad I got a chance to listen to, because again, I don't know if I've heard them or not. I probably have. I'm sure that sometime, like, my fiance likes occasionally while we're driving around, if we're listening to radio, you know, she'll she'll put a uh, hand over the radio thing, because it'll tell you who's playing on the on the radio. It's like, put a hand over, who's this? And most of the time, it's, you know, obviously something I know, so I'm like, oh yeah, you know, it's blah, blah, blah. And then there's been a couple of times where it's been shit. I don't know. <laughs> that might have been one of it. Might have been one of those uh, midnight oil songs, for all I know. For yeah. All I remember. All right, your turn. All righty. My next album is gonna be Fields of the Nephilim, Dawn Razor.
0: You are on your own with this one. Oh boy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> this is the sort of stuff that, as a fledgling goth high schooler, took me a Took me far away from what I thought could have, you know, could been thought of as hot topic goth. Even though, you know, at that time didn't really exist. But it took me from that into, you know, from mall goth into an actual full fledged goth. Now, sure, there's the Crow soundtrack and Susie and the Panchees. Pictures of this. I want to see
0: you dressed up like this.
1: Oh, I've never, I've never had, I never dressed up. Okay, okay. I, all my all my high school stuff looks very normal-ish. I'm sure I'm wearing like dark t-shirts and stuff, but I don't have I don't have any guy liner. I don't I didn't darken my hair, but uh, you know, never smiled. <laughs> Just, but I was very much this gothy kid. Got and yeah, basically a lot of uh, dark music and stuff. But basically, it's like you know, there's a lot of these things that you kind of are your gateways. Like I said, like, you know, the Crow soundtrack, Susie and the Banshees, The Cure, even Sisters of Mercy. But then it's, I started finding stuff like this, uh, Christian Death, Gene Loves Jezebel. And it starts to kind of open your eyes into, essentially like, the multitude of song, you know, styles and stuff. Because this is very much like, it kind of has like a weird, almost, it's a, kind of a goth country album almost in a way because you kind of have this uh their aesthetic at the time was very much like oh yeah we are uh we're cowboys you know we have the the stetsons and everything and and they're talking about you know preacher man you know what that. i feel
0: like i actually like this album but i didn't take notes because i'm an asshole uh, there's one album here where I fucking bailed almost immediately, but I don't think it was this one now that, that you're talking about it. I thought this was, was something else. Go ahead.
1: But yeah, it's it basically kind of has this, uh, you know, the, the voices are very sister, Sisters of Mercy, but there's a, kind of like a little bit of the cure in this as well with, it's not oppressively dark or anything. You know, it's, you yeah, like Vulcane, Preacher Man, Secrets. Uh, Power, especially, is the song that has the most country feel in it. And like, I wish I had your side of it, because I'm out of my notes. I'm sorry. But it, it is their debut album. They definitely change their style as well. They, they go for a while into a lot more of electronic, industrial style. But it's... This I think is probably their most interesting album to listen to because it is such a departure. Plus as I said, it's one of the first things that introduced me to a wider variety of music. But I think that'll be it for me.
0: Okay. So my next one is Document by REM, basically their mainstream breakthrough. They had some college hits and uh, you know, they were working their way, you know, on their tour gathering fans but this is the one where it really seemed like irs records was putting some money behind them made some good videos and of course everybody knows uh, it's the end of the world as we know it they don't really know the lyrics to it <laughs> which is a joke in uh tommy boy <laughs> but uh the one i love i think is the more powerful one um but it's just one of those hey they're finally starting to line up their sound they're almost there uh i out of time i think is where they really cement who they are
1: and, and that's the thing like, I'm not a huge REM fan But this album Suck its hooks Into me quite a bit yeah. Like
0: I think Automatic you know, For the People I, Is their best But yeah It's it's getting there
1: it' yeah. Well it's like I barely even had to Listen to this album For the show Because I listened to this So many times Throughout high school Oh okay Like And, and granted my, I started my interest In it because You know As you said The biggest earworm On this album Is It's the End of the World As we know it but you know, finest work song, the one I love, "Welcome to the Occupation," "Disturbance at the Heron House," all that stuff is solid, and I just, I love those songs. I like, finest work song. I, I didn't uh, at the time I was you know when like when that album came out I wasn't paying attention to anything, so I didn't necessarily knew didn't know it was a single, but it makes sense that it, that was that would have been a single off the album. I just kind of felt like it was kind of a weird, like, not B-side, but uh, one of those tracks that, you know, yeah, everyone knows these ones, and here's this, and, you know, the one I love, of course, that's a single. Here's, but one of the, you know, best songs of the album is this finest work song that no one knows. Yeah a little I knew at the time (laughs) well you're talking
0: about the first song let's talk about the last song real quick Odd Fellows Local 151 do you know what an Odd Fellows is do you have those I don't Odd Fellows the first one I had seen was up in Portland and I did some a little bit of research on it it's been a while uh, so I, I might have bad memories of this but it has nothing to do with any unions it has nothing to do with, like, lodges, you know, where it's, like, very usually Christian and Republican at these lodges. Literally, Oddfellows seems to be set up for people, like, single guys who are just weird. It's just that we're odd fellows, We just hang out and do <laughs> stuff. And there's one just right over there in Milwaukee, Oregon. I've, I've run into a couple others. I think I saw one up in Astoria. But it's just, like, it's it's, it's a, a, a place to hang out if you're lonely and odd.
1: <laughs> oh, man. That's it for me, you know, though. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, here's my next one: is Motorhead's "Rock and Roll." Does
0: he gargle with razor blades before he sings? Because I love, <laughs> I I love the structure of his songs. I think they kick ass, but his voice is rough.
1: Yeah. Okay. I, I'm gonna again, once again, read directly from my notes because I, I like I like how I set this up. I'm in I'm in the minority on this. But I don't think there are necessarily any bad Motorhead albums, just uninspired ones. Now that's an interesting way to start on an album, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, Motorhead is a band that's consistently—they're consistent. You know, love them or hate them, they figured out what sound and style that they wanted to do, uh-huh. and they stick and they stuck with it. And you know, they're a hard rock, heavy metal band, and this is specifically what you get off this album. Is this they at their best? Eh, not really. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing
0: weird. with hard rock and metal, is there's almost always a formula.
1: Well, it's also part of the problem is it they're overshadowed by the strength of Ace of Spades or Gazmatron. Hell. You know, the the live album No Slit till Hammersmith. You know, you got all these albums that precede it that have such, you know, overpowering strength that it's you can't really it's like it's hard for you to do that again
0: right it's the Dio curse too Dio had that problem
1: yeah and that's just like this album is pretty sick even if even the band feels that this was misproduced and rushed and isn't even their best work but rocket you know rock and roll traitor the wolf eat the rich all those songs are bangers you have even like dogs has this funk and groove to it which, you know, it stands out in such a way that it it feels like Motorhead but it doesn't feel like Motorhead you even have like Stone Dead in the USA which is lyrically really stupid but it's <laughs> hilarious and it, there's also a sermon by Michael Palin oh yeah, I forgot song. about that
0: that threw me off
1: yeah, just all of a sudden yeah, they were recording at at a studio that like was I don't know if it was partially owned by him or owned by a friend of his, but you know it's like, hey, you want Michael Palin to come uh, come by? It's like hell yeah! And he just kind of came in. And he recorded the little sermon just for the shits and giggles of it. And on some, uh, when I was watch, listening to it on Spotify, it's attached. I think it's Stone Dead Forever. It's at the end of that. But on some record uh, and CD cuts. It's its own little uh, track. So, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> this is an I have
0: nothing to say. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Motorhead's amazing. As I said, I don't necessarily think there's a bad Motorhead album. Even, even the worst ones out there, if you want to call it that, are still got something in it where you're just going to can't help but head back to it
0: a little bit I had that with the Ramones
1: yeah so yeah I'm not I wasn't gonna put Ace of Spades or some of the you know like their bigger hits but Rock and Roll is definitely one of those, those albums that has a special place in my heart yeah there'll be one there'll definitely be one showing up in the 90s I guarantee you that
0: well, for me, my next album selection is going to be a band that's not going to go away for a long time. In fact, every single album after this might make the list. And it's Red Hot Chili Peppers with the Uplift Mofo Party Plan. God, that's hard to say when you're a mush mouth. Uplift. Like when I try to say that, my teeth are rubbing against my lip. Funny. Um, this is when they're really funky. They're really goofy. They're not single oriented. So it's hard for me just to say, hey, this is, a, you know, these songs, this, this, and this. It's a whole vibe. This feels like I literally made for a party that they're just gonna jam in someone's fucking garage while everybody gets boozed on the beach. It that's the feel. It's bouncy, it's fun, it's wild.
1: I wasn't digging this one. Oh that's okay, my bag. Now but well, it's like I was reading about the background on this and this was during you know, recorded during the time where like, you know, Keetus's drug addiction was like at its height and it kind of shows because it really doesn't feel like it's focused no
0: it's not and I think that's part of the charm for me is that it's just like this goofball it feels like one whole song does that does that make sense like it's it's cut up into pieces like you know how Dream Theater they have a 42 minute song but it has different chunks of it which is basically like those are the singles that's the way this album feels it feels like just someone jam session and they just randomly flow in and out of different styles
1: yeah it's like I also Behind the Sun is great and I love it but this album also has a cover of uh, Bob Dylan's "Subterranean Homesick Blues" that is god awful. <laughs> like, oh my god, I I want to stab out my ears listening to it. Sort of, uh, <laughs> sort of reaction to it. Just bad, bad choice, bad choice, guys.
0: I well, just especially because just...
1: they will yeah. do well. Especially because later on, I think it's their next album too. They do. Uh, what is it uh, uh the, the Stevie Wonder cover
0: oh yeah yeah uh Higher Ground
1: yeah and that's such a great cover you know it's like far more in their in their style and everything so yeah uh, not for me but heck you know what if you dig it you dig it right yep To be fair, I I listen to a
0: lot of these while I'm doing something else. I don't know if you do. I'm usually working out or I'm playing video games. So sometimes it's just a feel.
1: No, I I fully... uh, I try to engross myself in it and create an environment in which I can. Well, you're a better person
0: than I. (laughs) (laughs) Which has been proven over (laughs) and over with this show. Acting.
1: Uh, Music music is how... How we do it? I anytime I there's some stuff that I'm solidly trying to uh, absorb. Yeah, I I sit down and give it give it my time. Uh, otherwise, yeah, if it's just something I'm going to listen to, uh-huh. then yeah, it, it does go off in the background. I've I've been listening to uh, the Devin Townsend uh, all all of his albums lately, and that's kind of been my background music for gaming and stuff. So some cases stuff I technically maybe I've only heard for the first time and you know but it's background music because I'm not trying like in this I'm trying to analyze and it's homework if I'm going to use the, the horrible H word <laughs> but uh, but I'm taking more time into it instead of I guess instead of enjoying the music <laughs>
0: Yeah, music's not meant to be no- oh, enjoyed who are we talking about it's supposed to be criticized meant to
1: Anyway, Anthrax, Among the Living, that's my next one. Another one that
0: was going to make my list, Daniel.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, because, well, that's just it. Okay. This, uh, when last week we talked about the heavy metal albums of of 86, where I was going, like, there's the the three, three albums I would love to have talked about, but at the same time, they're the biggest friggin' albums of all time. Technically, Among the Living belongs in that thing, because it is the big four, uh-huh. and those, uh, Megan S.P. cells, Metallica's uh, Master Puppets, Slayer's reign and Blood, those are like their defining albums to me. Anthrax and Among the Living is probably that for me as well. Definitely is their best album in the 80s. But uh, I if I was going to do that I would also fight with Sound of White Noise theme.
0: right that's probably once was it John DeBell yeah. was the lead singer once he left and got replaced with the lead singer of Armored Saint that's what I'm in
1: yeah it's it, it, this is such an amazing album though because yeah, it's like sure the previous album Spreading the Disease would make you take notice of them but this is the beginning of a line of some of their best stuff yeah it's like more complicated the, do you than it was do? before yeah yeah, they, they start doing hit after hit after hit album after this point, at, starting with this, and it's a brutal, badass, you know, attack on your senses. It's dedicated to Cliff Burton, who died died in '86. Uh, Metallica's bassist, one of the best bassists of all time, at least in metal. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, let's you know, let say it metal was... because
0: uh, we, we would have to count Bootsy Collins. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there's there's so there's so many amazing bassists, but yeah, in metal he is one of the he basically he was a huge figure in the thrash community, so it was like every when he died everyone took it you know hard you know, and so let, let's also be honest among the living is <clears throat> such a timely song because it's about uh, the book The Stand the Stephen King novel and of course. And, of course, about uh, Captain Trips.
0: Holy shit, how did I catch this?
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's all, well, it's, basically, it's kind of a retelling of The Stand, because it's, Among the Living is, he's talking about being the man, you know, the man in black, he's Randall Flagg, and they're talking about, you know, he's riding around with Captain Trips. Yeah, it's, it's all about The Stand. You know, Caught in the Mosh. That just makes you want want to uh, jump in the pit and just uh-huh. fuck someone up. Yeah, <laughs> That's, I, mean, I think, the very first time I been heard been them. Been...
0: It was either that or the Public Enemy song that I heard first. I can't remember which one. Uh, no, I'm the Man is the first time, uh, one I heard from them.
1: Yeah, it's like I'm the Law, which is based off of Judge Dredd, <laughs> which also makes me – it kind of surprises me that it was never in the Stallone film. Right. That was perfectly t- – well, this came out before, but it's – the perfect thing to have in that movie.
0: Yeah, well, Scott Ian was a huge movie buff. I remember he was on one of those VH1, you know, uh, you know how they sat front. What's it called? I love the '80s, where he talks about horror movies a lot, and uh, you can see the influence in the music.
1: Yeah, I know it. Yeah, it's like it kind of shows how kind of geeky these guys are too. Just how much, like, Metallica was was the people who had the the, the overall thought, you know, they, they basically had like the deeper themes and meanings. Slayer was the people who scared your parents. Megadeth was actually a little more politically oriented. Anthrax were the fun guys. <clears throat> but uh, ironically, you know, talking about this, there's things like, you know, I say fun and then I go, uh, NFL, Eiffel, Niku, Fessman. Yeah if you stole it backwards, nice fucking life. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's how, about... the,
0: it's not, not so much the, the subject matter, it's how they presented the song, which made them more fun.
1: Yeah. But, well, yeah, but it's like, that's about jug, uh, John Belushi's drug addiction, and death. I mean, Skeleton in the Closet is based off of apt pupil. <laughs> Indians, uh, we talked about Midnight Oil. Indians is about the troubles of our Native Americans. And, uh, the shit that all the shit that they were going through it's like oh my god this is this was a Now I don't want to say necessarily say it's a perfect album but it's a damn if it's not perfect it's damn damn near close especially for thrash
0: I, got got to, I so can't believe we're, I can't believe we're at an hour. Is, I can't believe I'm so tired already. This—I mean, I'm old. Um, my next album <laughs> is Doc and Back for the Attack, which I looked this up, and Back for the Attack was only the name of the album, and then later on a second repressing, they decided to make a song called Back for the Attack, which <laughs> sounds so stupid. <laughs> hey, uh, AC/DC, you know you should probably put a song in there for uh, uh, those about the rock. We salute you. You should probably put a song in there actually. With that title in it? Oh, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Well, what was Dokken thinking? Oh, but it's it's a, it's really, this is, I, I didn't realize I liked Dokken. I only knew him for the Dream Warriors song, and I and I don't go for falsetto very much. But this is a nice balance. Um, and I think they're kind of underrated. They're, they're forgotten from this era because they didn't play the teeny bop. You know, they weren't Poison or Motley Crue or whatever. They were just their own thing.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, it's—I'll say this: the album doesn't set the world on fire, but it also doesn't feel like it's a retread of the previous album. Right? It's—you know—it's a—it feels like it's a uh, band—it's a record by a band that's trying to grow musically. It's completely solid, even though I would say—and this is like the maybe the harshest way I'm going to phrase this—I don't mean this in the in the worst way. It's kind of unremarkable in that. Like, if you like Dokken, 100%, this is worth owning. If you like this style of music, this is 100% worth owning. Like, it's basically, the, the problem with this album is that it kind of feels safe. And I, mean, I don't, I'm not looking for the Jolts to also become Wasp or something like that. But it kind of feels like any of the fangs that Dokken had in, you know, in previous albums kind of got removed. Well, I
0: was looking at the production behind mm-hmm. this and they said it was one of the worst productions they had ever gone through and it nearly destroyed the band. And when it was over with, they had kind of a meeting to like go, look, we need to control this and not have another producer pushing us fat. You know, because they had put this out so much soon, so way too soon after the last album, they didn't have enough material. And it was just kind of a patchwork album. So that, yeah, that's it, probably why it has no real yeah, focus. It,
1: yeah, it has this sheen of corporate homogeneity. Uh, that you know it's like the previous album that we listened to didn't you know this is it's a solid album it's well you know quote unquote well produced and all that stuff but that's kind of it's problem too is that it's you know it kind of feels like a lot of what what makes a band great got got a little covered by the production design but yeah it's still it's a very enjoyable record I like it. You know, it's got, let's be honest, Dream Warriors is one of those songs that sucks, but because it's so perfectly cheesy that you love it.
0: Well, it was also from a hit movie, and that's what kind of, like, what sticks around.
1: Yeah. But it's like, you know, Heaven Sent, So Many Tears, Mr. Scary, those are really good tracks. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I dig the album quite a, like, quite a bit.
0: All right, so that's it for that album. Um, We are to our last albums. What almost made your list?
1: Well, two of the things that made your list that were on mine, since you've mentioned some of the stuff that I stole from you, you did do REM's Document and The Colts Electric, which I did think about doing. Uh, I did contemplate doing Dead Milkman's Bucky Fellini. White Zombie Soul Crusher, their I debut know, album. I didn't
0: even know they were around back then. I missed that.
1: Oh yeah, it, honestly, the reason why I didn't do it is because those albums really do suck. Okay, like, <laughs> it took it took them a while to become worth listening to, and that was kind of sadly near the end of the White Zombie career. But I had mentioned uh, Sisters of Mercy Floodland uh, when I was going to do the when I did the previous album. And yeah, I w- still thought about it and then decided not to. Uh, King Diamond's Abigail, Napalm's debut, Scum, Skinny Puppies, cleanse, fold, and manipulate. One day, Skinny Puppy will make my list. Uh, Public Enemies, yo, bum rush the show. Yeah, I
0: thought about that one too. Yeah. Uh,
1: Death's Green Bloody Gore, Boogie Down Productions, Criminal. Mind Ah, that was on mine too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Frontline Assembly's Initial Command and uh, Butthole Surfer's Locust Abortion Technician.
0: Ew, good lord. <laughs> uh, what was yeah, on my I, list? I took not listen to it,
1: and that was
0: not good. Um, so yeah, Boogie Down Productions. <laughs> I had D.O., Dream Evil, which I think is the last good D.O. album for a very long time. When we started going to like the murky stuff, I, I'm not with them. Um, Fat Boy's Crushing, Def Leppard Hysteria. Uh Ramones Halfway to Sanity, I think it was. I can't remember I only wrote down notes. Uh Alice Cooper raise your fist and say, Yeah. Those are the ones on my
1: <laughs> Okay. That would have been would've interesting to talk about the Alice Cooper one. And of course they said Boogie Down Productions. We're both on our well, both on our minds. <clears throat>
0: so what's our last one for you?
1: My last one is The Legacy by Testament.
0: Um, I am almost a band where, I'm almost there with Testament. You give it a couple of years, and I'm in. But is <laughs> it still good? Is but it's not in my wheelhouse yet.
1: Well, that's that's the thing. they really they really hit their hit their own in the 90s. Like that's that's kind of where. And then early to mid 2000s, I think they're also really strong, and they're still going. They still got some good stuff. But like yeah, the early to mid 2000s also. Be, become kind of really good but it's like it's a band where I feel like if you were to expand the big four of thrash to five now there's some people who'd say overkill should be in that spot Ah, no, it's testament
0: absolutely one or absolutely.
1: two one or, yeah one or two poor bastards might say death angel uh there's a lot of people that would probably go with exodus which makes a lot of sense especially considering they're tied to metallica but yeah I go testament 100% and if for nothing else, vocalist Chuck Billy fought and kicked the shit out of cancer. That's cool. Yeah, in 2001, he was diagnosed with germ cell uh, germ cell seminoma. Ended up having a tumor near his heart. But the chemo and everything, he beat it, and he's still and he's fucking hard.
0: Good, good, good.
1: But that's the thing. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, they've been solid, consistent. Uh, and that's the thing is this debut shows that like this is there, there's a little bit of that early Metallica feel to things like Over the Wall and Burnt Offerings, but overall, yeah, this is just <clears throat> it's a solid album beginning to end, and it's a solid thrash album. And it, it, it feels like it really feels. I feel bad that they've never got the due that they really should have until like the later part of their career. Really, they're only bigger now than they were ever.
0: That's the funniest thing about metals. They never really seem to lose fans; they just gain them. Whereas other other genres, it's not the same.
1: Yeah, well, if you if you're good enough in in metal, you find you know you're able to you know not only just maintain what you do, but as styles as styles and attitudes change, people start kinda of going, Oh yeah, you know, hey, this this is really good. Oh, what did they do before? Oh, they've always been good. We've just never noticed it because the world wasn't ready for it at right. that time. <laughs> Plus there's always always disaffected youth in every decade. True, and yeah. uh, we all need something to be angry about and some you know, the type of music to go and punch someone in the face to. <laughs>
0: All right, so it's my turn.
1: It is your turn. All right, one.
0: this is the album, uh, the very first album I ever bought. I listened to it a million times, especially on the bus. This is like the only cool album that I had that I, you know, I could take with the school and be like, "What are you listening to? Weird Al? What the? Fuck? You know, like before Weird Al was cool. I'm listening to the Indiana Jones and the Temple or the uh, what's the second one called? The Temple of Doom soundtrack. Temple of Doom? Weirdo. You know, it's like, you know, it's so in excess with one that just... And I know it was huge. You try not to do the huge albums, but I I just couldn't help myself. This is still regularly played in my life, and every single song pretty much nails it on the head. I don't like the opener so much, Guns in the Sky. I think it's kind of just a, hey, let's warm it up, you know? It's it's kind of a waste song. But um, you're just fucking hit after hit after hit. New Sensation, of course, is fun. It's poppy. But then it gets more like... It, almost a door's influence a little darker and moodier, but not excessive the way the doors could be uh new sensation of course is the you know like I said the big one but devil inside, needy tonight, uh never tear us apart, mystify uh call it all nations I mean there's some other stuff in there, but the, those are all just like I know them by like the back of my fucking hand. Well,
1: it's like yeah, new sensations I really dug new you know nice new wavy. I did not like Guns in the Sky at all, because especially, like, oh, I'll read Drake in Oh, that opening ooh and uhs don't yeah. make me happy.
0: It, it felt like a waste of time. Just get to the, don't even bother with that. Just get to the song.
1: You know, Devil Inside, I love that track. Need You Tonight was huge. Uh, meditate? I like musically because I think it's nice and ethereal, and it's interesting to hear. But it's stupid when you when you actually pay attention. To oh the well,
0: you remember the video? Mediate is actually what it's called. But uh, mediate—it's the one where he has the cards like Bob Dylan had, and that thing got played to fucking death on MTV. I bet you that video cost ten bucks.
1: <laughs> it's like the loved one. I wasn't uh, I wasn't big on because it's his blues rock song. Yeah, it's and funny. so far, like everything prior to it was like very synthy new wave. But then you also have uh, Never Cares Apartments is also blues rock, but it fits more in their Right. Style. Well, and like, I believe
0: yeah. they designed this for the cassette or the album. So I, if I remember correctly, you it ended on uh, The Loved One, and then you flip it over, and it kicks ass again with wildlife.
1: Okay. That that would make sense. Yeah, been, should the
0: the whole album should have started off with wildlife or kick or something like that? Calling all nations, calling all nations would have made a much better way to start the album than Guns in the Sky. Guns in the Sky is a bullshit track.
1: Yeah, that that, that feels like it should have just been, been, cut. Like I I always I, I hate it. I will say this: I do hate it when an album's first cut is usually like the best song on the album because yeah. I usually do feel that you should you know i do believe in leading you know best foot forward sort of stuff but also don't come you know don't prematurely ejaculate in front of me uh, i want a build up to something amazing right you know it's like if you're if you're going to let me you know if you're taking me on this journey i want to have a fun ride throughout it you know the best albums are ones that have rises and falls sure you don't want to have you know, front loaded with all your best material and your back half be garbage, but you also you want to have a good balance. Right. It should be like that a movie.
0: Album should be designed yeah, just like, like movies. You have an opening sequence to entice you to bring you in. You get the plot going, then you have the big numbers, you have the big action sequences or, you know, the singles, whatever, and then you end great.
1: Yeah, that just it that just makes you go like, oh wow, it's a Song do I really want to keep listening to this album? yeah, do I have regret I start having regrets here I'm going, nope, I must power through it, and thus I did, and thus it is. The album is very entertaining it's very fun it's very it makes sense why this is a why this album was a big hit, but yeah it's like that first <laughs> that first taste though was not.
0: But thank God it makes up for it later. I still to this day will find myself just randomly going such a great bass. I was humming that at work like ten years ago, and some girl that was way younger than me said, I know that song, that's Devil Inside. I go, You know in excess? And she goes, Yeah, my parents listened to that all the time. I was like, Son of a bitch, I'm old.
1: I'm going to I'm going to have to hurt you, child, because you made me feel old. I'm glad you know this stuff, but damn you for for what you did to me.
0: Uh, Yeah, but that's that's my final pick for 1987 and the flat-out best album of the year, in my opinion. What was your best out of the 10, you think?
1: Uh, My favorite album? (sighs) Uh, Actually, I'll probably go with the ICT, Rhyme Pays.
0: That's a shock to me, honestly. (laughs) But okay.
1: Yeah, it's it's hard to pick. Cause there's some solid stuff. Like I said, Anthrax is oh man, I love the Anthrax one. Pink Floyd was such a is such a good one. Yeah. Hell even hell even Kiss me Kiss me. But you know what? As as a uh, piece, as as a whole conceptual piece, rhyme pays. All right.
0: Well, those are our top ten. Uh, check us out on Facebook under Hit Rewind Podcast, and we'll catch you next time.